You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Discussing my ideas on faith with Joe over the last couple of weeks. For those who don't know, Joe's father had been battling cancer, and this weekend he passed. He meant a lot to Joe, helped shape him into the man that he is today, and for that, we hope him a lot. We all struggle with the concept of death in our own ways. Over the course of our lifetime, for many of us, our faith surrounding death changes and melds into something that is personal for each of us. Many believe in heaven, while others believe in rebirth, and yet more. We need these beliefs in order to process such horrible losses. Whatever you believe, please take a moment in your busy day. Speak to a loved one on a personal level too. Hug and laugh because it's those memories which we cling to in such trying times. This episode is dedicated to a very great man. Now then, we need to lighten this up immediately. (laughs) We're going to talk about some Life is Strange. Episode four, which you would think, wow, that's light. It's actually going to be light because we can't talk about all of it because I didn't finish damn. (laughs) So I was talking about this on Twitter. I sat down to play it on Sunday quite excitedly, might I add. And I'm sitting down and I'm playing and my wife actually came and sat on the couch and watched me play, which is unusual. Not just because my wife suffers from motion sickness a lot. Like she can't really watch a lot of games. And also she's. Let's be honest, if I'm sitting down playing Destiny, she's not going to be interested. So there's a lot of games that just don't catch her interest. But then she was watching the um, recap at the beginning as she was doing some other stuff in the kitchen. And it immediately caught her interest, enough so that she's planning on playing it as well. So Hmm. I got to play for quite a while, loving it. And then my eldest daughter showed up and wanted to play Mario Kart with my son. (laughs) So I got booted off the TV. I could have kept going on the the Vita, I guess, but I wanted to watch it on the big screen. So I got as far as her breaking into Nathan. Oh, hey, spoiler warning, folks. (laughs) (laughs) I got as far as breaking into Nathan's dorm room. And it was literally, I'm there and I'm about to start checking. I I, I scanned, I I, I read Mm -hmm. the emails, but I didn't go through the rest of the room. So we're going to talk about it, but we're going to stop there. Because not only did... to remember what was before that and what was after that. So I'm just going to follow your lead yeah. so I don't fuck anything up. Well, the other thing, too, is Joe has been very excited to talk about this game as well. This episode, I should say. So we're going to be covering this again, the remainder and a few little recaps for episode four. Uh, either next week or the week after, depending on how Joe's doing and how busy he is. Because he's got a lot on his plate. So this episode starts off where three left off, and for most people, that is seeing your best friend in a chair. And it's one of those things where uh, it hit hard when we, and we talked about this for episode three at the end, it hit hard and it was, it was one of those, it, I don't want to say cliched, but you know, it was, we kind of saw, okay, something bad's going to happen here mm-hmm. because you can't dick around with time like that. It's the butterfly wing effect kind of thing. 
And so I wanted to see what they would do with that. And I really think they handled it well, like really exceptionally well, because you get moments of not a lot, but some anger, some of the sadness, but enough time has passed, which you are discovering as you're going through the the dialogue options and whatnot, and you realize that in this time, well, you basically were an idiot to her, and you didn't really interact much, and you, well, they, I say that, but it's probably just it was so uncomfortable, and that's how sometimes people react. They don't mean mm-hmm. to, but that's just the way of life. And so the moments that you get with her, I thought they were especially good because, and and it's it's probably more so because it is a female character too, that there's so much sympathy and empathy and, and not trying to take the, 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 the dick move and say, listen, I was busy. I didn't get around, but heartfelt apologies for not having been there for her kind of thing throughout often. And I really liked that. It, it made the character so much more sincere and likable and it's nice to play a character that's nice and certain <laughs> likable because most other games you could choose the dick route and just kind of, ah, whatever and go through. And this, it made me feel more. It made me really relate to those characters a lot more. I don't know if you felt the same. It just goes back to what we've said about this game time and time and time again, how it's so realistic. Like, at so many points, it doesn't feel like you're playing a game because everybody is relatable in one way or another. Either you can relate to them personally or, you know, as as a hero or even as an antagonist. There's an element to every character in the game that will have a connection with most players. And that's been the series' great strength over now four episodes. Yeah, and it's funny because I've been hearing people bitching about the episodic content again. And how they just want everything in one shot. And what I have found is, in most cases, I don't mind waiting a month. Mm-mm. And as we've said as well, that tension builds over the month. But more so than that, what happens is that you have more time to really get to know a character and to be invested in that character. It's not like sitting down to play a game that's going to last you maybe 12 hours kind of thing, and you do it in one shot, you're done, boom, move on. These girls are on your mind for a while, like for months. You're thinking, okay, what's the next one going to be, and how is it going to work for this? And I probably would have done this a little different, and, and it's just that you really have that much more time to be invested in them, and it works in their favor because really I love these characters. I love them so much and when when she asks you again we we already said spoiler i'm not kidding here okay folks when she asks god damn it what's her name chloe chloe okay when chloe asks dudes seriously when (laughs) chloe asks you to kill her off let her die i was on that screen for a very long time the, mm-hmm. the option screen <laughs> to the point where my wife was like looking at me and I'm like, I want to see both options, but I don't <laughs> want to do both options for this character. Had this been again, a character that was uh, much more callous in her approach 
which is the impression you get maybe the character did become that in that lifetime kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, which doesn't quite work with the, the, the science of this kind of thing. <laughs> because she'd have that foreknowledge of having gone back. Exactly. But I did have to think about that as I was playing the game. But um, but because, and again, for me, I and I've said this before, I... I like to, to, in my brain, role-play those characters as I'm playing them. It's not me playing a character. I really want to invest myself and be there kind of thing. So if I'm making a choice, I want it to be something that that character would choose. And if the character I'm playing is a badass idiot, then, yeah, he's going to choose the badass idiot part. And so for this, I chose to say no. What did you choose? I, the same thing okay. because, like, on one hand, I really wanted to respect her wishes and, you know, if you know, and, and all that. But at the same time... I couldn't be the one to physically do it. It, it, That's it. And it's one of those things, too, wherein people are going to react to this very differently based on their life experiences. If you have been around somebody who is clinically ill, which ironically is what we were just talking about, it may be something that you consider as a very humane way of respecting their wishes, which is not what I'm saying happened with Joe's father there. I'm just saying, you know, when you're in difficult situations, Mm -hmm. sometimes... You have to make a difficult choice. And this is a big one because like you said, you really want to respect her wishes because Chloe's a such a strong character, insanely strong wilt. So to see her like this, you're thinking there's a lot of people who've lived with this and attained great heights. I mean, we don't have to look any further than Stephen Hawkins. And so you can be a quadriplegic and still have a fulfilling life, but that doesn't mean it's everybody's going to feel that way. So you want to respect her wishes, but my God, I didn't want to kill her off. And I kept thinking as a parent, I'm thinking if I walked into a room and one of my kid's best friends was helping to kill him, I would strangle the little brat because they have no right. Because Mm. as a parent, that's not your life to, 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 to control, certainly. But it is a life that you are tasked with, you know, helping them get through all of these tough times and not not taking this route. And so both as a parent and as somebody who respects, again, somebody like this, their wishes and, and, and such, it's it was really a hard choice to, to make. And I did choose to, to say no. And then the the inevitable outburst, which you're expecting kind of thing. And I, I didn't know how soon it would get course corrected. I knew it would have to, but I didn't know how soon. I thought it was a little soon myself. I don't know if you agree. There's just so much in the episode though. Yeah. Like, so if (laughs) honestly that, that was such like a small percentage of everything that happens in episode four. But I think uh, along that same track, since it was entirely possible for a player to choose to skip that entire scenario, like we were talking about at episode three, what happens if you drop the photo and don't change the timeline? And well, we assume, you know, that entire scene just doesn't happen in your gameplay. So, so I can understand happens? it from both, from both sides of, you know, if you decided not to change the timeline, suddenly you're missing out on several hours worth of gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. This is, when I um, when I was playing, my wife was there. At one point, she said, when she decided she was going to be trying it out, she was saying, I probably shouldn't be watching you play because I don't want to see it. And I'm thinking, <laughs> and I told her, 
you're going to make different choices than me probably. You're going to have different outcomes. You're going to have a different game to a certain degree than what I had. And depending on what the choices are that she makes, I if it's not kind of opening up things that I haven't seen, I may play this again just to see all of those scenes and take it to a whole other level because based on the strength of this branch that we're on, I want to see the other ones now. Because Jesus, what happens if you do kill her off? What happens if you never went back in time? Like, there's got to be some amazing things there. So, I'm assuming. I'm really hoping. Yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah. So, we will find out as we play. So, then, of course, you're looking through the photo album. Had they done that in another game, I would say, oh, God. Okay. Pretty cliche. Come on. But because photography is so important in this entire series, it fit. And mm-hmm. so I liked that. I, I liked the again looking through the various photos and then the obvious go back in time. And I gotta say, that was really well handled. That was exceptionally well handled. From the burning of the photograph to the tears because she knows what it all means and that there's no going back after this kind of thing. I thought that was really exceptionally well acted written, you name it. Yeah, I, I think this episode definitely sets the, the bar for the series now. Yeah. Like, like we were talking about, you know, episode one was great, two and three were a little iffy. This is, I'd say, by far the best episode they've done. Yeah. So from there now you need to, you go back and obviously everything's been reset kind of thing and she has to deal with the the choice that she made, which is a huge one, and like huge... <laughs> <laughs> and then she has to start investigating Chloe's stepfather. And there, it doesn't take too, too long, that kind of thing. But but it was interesting. And you get some, some more details showing that he might not have been as bad as we thought kind of mm-hmm. thing. And that he he's just overbearing and, and such. So he does have his obvious flaws. But at the root of it, he really actually is trying to protect these people and he's figured out that there's something going on in the city that's what i said back after episode one everybody's like oh you know david is this you know stereotypical villainous father figure and i was like there's a lot of small details that show that he can at least have some redeeming qualities he's not purely a, a a bad guy and now as we've seen it play out we're it's finally coming to light yeah yeah did you let the so, burnout? And that's also a great uh, credit to the writers to put oh, all yeah. those small little subtle details that a lot of people will miss. And so like I can imagine like not noticing a lot of that smaller stuff and all of a sudden you're like, wait, when did he become a nice guy? Like, it's, it's a lot of really good game design. What you're saying about the subtlety is so bloody true because we've talked about this with Destiny, how Destiny has such an insanely good you know story and lore but the questing sucks and getting and getting the story and things like that sucks but but it's there and that's the same thing with this in terms of just everything's there for you to find and i'm certain i haven't found it all but damn it i'm trying and (laughs) so from from some of the message board threads i follow there's a lot of stuff even i missed and i am meticulous in this game oh yeah because it's just I I try to look at it as I'm playing it 
not as uh, again, not as a gamer who wants to experience it all, but as someone who as the character. So sometimes I'm actually leaving dialogue options there. I'm not going through every single thing because I'm thinking she wouldn't. She'd be finding out where Nathan is, maybe mm-hmm. asking a few other questions and then going. So in the case of, say, when she is investigating to try to find Nathan because she needs to figure out what is right. going on. Right, there is on. a lot of dialogue. When you are on that the grounds, oh, you're talking to a whole crap load of people to try to get clues and whatnot. So when I was talking to the groundskeeper, as I'm talking to him and he's getting more and more mysterious and interesting. I'm like, I need to find out every single thing this guy has been weird for a long time. Yeah. Weird for a long time, but this was beyond weird. Now, (laughs) now it's like, you're looking at him and I'm thinking, does he know? Because there were way too many time Mm -hmm. puns in there. And I'm thinking he knows something. There is something going on here. And I'm really hoping, but I went through every single one of his options. Then I talked to the teacher and I went through a number of them, but it was more of a, yeah, you know what? This is where she'd head off now and just kind of left. And so there's some things that I am missing that I'm hoping when I go back and play, I can, by choosing different things, I'll see them. But holy crap, just again, all of these, these conversations with these people from the, 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 the teacher that's got the hots or that Chloe has the hots for to the groundskeeper, the chick with the drone thing was eh, not, as, not as interesting. She, but it was very much a, a kid wanting to rub it in your face that she's dating your friend kind of thing. So it kind of got on my nerves and it was like, whatever, and left. Um, and then, like I said, I got into the the dorm and I got into, I, I kind of ran around and I didn't mess around in other rooms. I don't even know if you can go into the other rooms. Uh, I didn't go through all the rooms. I just found Nathan's and I went in and then I started looking around and I checked on his computer some pretty incriminating stuff there. And then I got booted off the TV. So we have to stop there. (laughs) Yeah, that's honestly, you've barely touched this episode. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yes. There is so much more to come. Like it's, it's insane. The amount of content they packed into these. I don't even know. Like, I think this episode might have even been longer than the last few. Because I remember I sat down at like 7 o'clock. I'm like, okay, it's going to be time to knock out this episode. And, you know, maybe I'll you know do something else afterwards. And it's like 1130. And I was like, I need to finish this thing so I can go to fucking sleep. <laughs> well, I was playing for quite a while. But, again, yeah. I was really – I was exploring a lot. And I was going around. I was talking and listening to to everyone and their, their dialogue options. So I, I was playing for quite a while just to get to that point. Mm-hmm. So – And, and – and, like the actual investigation, like you finally get like that payoff here. Like I, I actually really enjoyed like the actual little puzzle solving elements of figuring out the clues, like, you know, your Scooby-Doo scenario there, but there's a part coming up and no spoilers whatsoever. I think I used my rewind eight times (laughs) before I could figure out the right dialogue options to get through it. (laughs) Okay. Like they're 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 really putting the pressure on you as a player of don't fuck this up. Or you know what? Fuck it up and then run with that decision to see where it takes you. Hmm. I was about to the point where I was like, maybe this is impossible. <laughs> maybe there is no happy ending. Yeah, really. <laughs> 
Okay, we are actually, like I said, we're going to stop there just because we will be covering more of this in the next coming weeks and uh, because I know Joe has a lot to say about it. And quite frankly, I need to finish the damn thing so that we can talk about it and spoil all the things. You've got a long way to go, That's good, good. You've barely scratched the surface of this episode. I was loving what I was doing. So if there's a lot more of that, that's awesome. So we actually have a ton of stuff to talk about regardless because... As we said last week, we were going to talk about a whole lot more Gamescom news. So Gamescom wrapped up over the weekend, and we got a lot, (laughs) a lot of information on a ton of games. Now, we're not going to cover all of them, obviously, but there are some that we have opinions about (laughs) that we need to voice. (laughs) So we're just going to start off really fast and talk about there was some um, they talked about uh, Xbox One and Windows 10 of course because they're doing a ton of stuff to try to make it so that you can do your gaming on all your Windows 10 devices and things like that and then they've got the DirectX 12 for for Windows 10 and how much of a difference that's going to mean for gaming how good it looks which I saw some videos and holy crap in hell and then the Xbox One will be up will actually be updated to use the Windows 10 OS later on which I don't know that that's a good idea, but whatever. And the Xbox One can free is, up some memory or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, the Xbox One is going to be getting the DVR functionality coming in as well to be able to record over the airwaves. That's freaking awesome in and of itself. And you can stream to your Windows devices as well too. And then they talked about the backwards compatibility as well. And I'm kind of surprised at their surprise and how positive people's uh, opinions of backwards compatibility is. It's like, oh, really? You guys actually wanted backwards compatibility? (laughs) This is quite the shock. We would have built it into the system when we started if we had known. But, yeah, they're adding a crap load of titles to the backwards compatibility list, including all of the games with gold freebies that are going to be coming up. That's the big one there, too, because much like the PS4... um, subscription you get a lot of free games now from in fact more in some months from xbox i i actually subscribe to live again just <laughs> so that i could get the freebies so that when i do get eventually an xbox one which at this rate is coming closer and closer to being a yeah. reality then i'll have the games because honestly from what i've seen here Again, I, it's not that I have a hatred of the Xbox. I have a 360 and an original. Mm-hmm. And if they had done right by the the system and the consumers right from the get-go, my wife was expecting I'd be buying both. And so I've been looking at them now, and I'm looking at that Forza 6 bundle because it's <laughs> reasonably priced. Because that Guardians, Halo Guardians, is too fucking expensive. It. But it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's beautiful (laughs) see like microsoft has very very slowly like been swaying me as well i think it says a lot that here at gamescom where they were under no pressure from competition from sony or nintendo that they probably delivered their best brand statement to date like i went from okay yeah i'm of course i'll get an xbox of course i'll get one eventually to after last week went Okay, when am I getting my exactly. Xbox? Yeah. Well, I while I was watching the Microsoft presser, had Best Buy and Amazon up, and I'm <laughs> looking at okay, which one can I get? And I haven't ordered one, but like I said, that Forza one, oh, sexy. 
So let's talk about some games now. Now we're going to actually kind of break it down somewhat by John, just so that we can make it a little bit faster here. Because in terms of shooters, we're getting too many good shooters coming up. Like an insane amount of really fucking cool shooters. And that's not something that we normally talk about too, too much, unless there's story with it kind of thing on the show. But that's the thing. These have got great stories behind them. And like games like, again, Crackdown 3 and Homefront, like initially I was kind of like, yeah, Homefront, really? Yeah, I don't know. Then I saw all the freaking videos and the talks about it and everything that you can see. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap, do I ever want to play the game? And Crackdown 3 went from being something that I went, wow, that looks really cool, to going, I'm buying that day one. Did you watch the streams for Crackdown 3? No, I, I Crackdown's one of those games that like I'm like, okay, it's cool, but yeah, doesn't oh, really dude. drag me. Oh my god, they're going to be using the Microsoft Cloud so that they got twenty times, I believe they said, the computational power. So what you're getting on your screen is far more than what your Xbox One should be able to deliver. Mm-hmm. And And we've been hearing about the cloud computing for two years now. I think this is the first time we've seen somebody actually use it. Yeah. This is like ridiculous how like I, I think it's twenty versus twenty for the the multiplayer. I now I could be wrong on that, but I think it is. Yeah, it's uh yeah, I think so. Anyways, but your entire map, that futuristic city, is one hundred percent destructible. So they showed you're going up and your enemy is in building A. You can't get to them. Building B, however, can be demolished. They caused building B to fall onto building A, thereby killing everybody inside. It was that, that, brilliant. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff Battlefield has been promising for how many years now? They're like, oh, yeah, these destructible, you know, dynamic environments. But it's always... You know, two specific things that are destructible. Yeah. It always changes the map in the exact same way. There's no there's no player agency in the destruction. This was, again, it was so bloody cool that I was like, oh, I'm playing this. And not just that, but as impressed as I am with the stuff that's coming from Destiny and, and whatnot, we're going to talk about that in a minute. This was like, I'm more excited for this as a shooter to play this. It's just got, I like the look of it. The, the the movement was phenomenal. The weapon looks awesome. The weapons, the again, that fully destructible environment then leads you to have to really think outside of the box about how you want to proceed. Because this is a huge goddamn map <laughs> that you got to go hunting for people in. So it was bloody awesome. And then again, going back to that home front revolution, we got to see uh, the motorcycle quest that they were doing there. And it was freaking awesome. Like, and then there's hacking objectives in there too and things like that. When they use that little remote buggy to go under the car and deliver a bomb kind of thing, it was like, oh my God, I need to do that. I need that in my life. <laughs> and then we got a crap load, like I said, uh, of news on Destiny 2. I'll let you take that. Well, yeah, we touched on a lot of it last week uh, about specifically how they were talking about they're removing the light levels from the gear and whatnot. And it's interesting because I hear a lot of people who are praising this and like, oh, finally, you know, your your progression is going to be based on RNG. And I'm like, well, it kind of still is. Like, <laughs> Just because the light levels are gone and they've changed the way you level 
doesn't mean you're not still going to need to meet certain gear requirements for content. It's just they've changed the requirement. Like it, it's one of those things where if your light level was say 32, then there is an understanding that your gear was up to a certain point. Like it was basically like an item level in Final Fantasy or World of Warcraft. It was an easy identifier for how powerful your character was. So you're still going to need really good gear to do top end content. Just it's not going to have the light stat on it anymore. It's one of those things where people who are experienced in MMOs or Diablo type games understand, but a lot of destiny players who are kind of new to those concepts haven't quite figured out yet. Well, what I heard actually in an interview with Deej is that the light is actually still important. It's not being taken completely away kind of thing. It's not going to be contributing to your level. It's no longer your player level anymore. Yeah. It's the level essentially of your gear kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it, 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 it think of it as an eye level in WoW kind of thing. Exactly. It's going to determine if you can be gated into whatever content. So it still is there. It's just, again, they took a page from WoW. Yeah. They, they, it's the exact same system. They're just displaying it differently on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> but, they, but they do go on to say that uh, everybody was upset. Like, oh, all the old exotics aren't going to be relevant anymore. But that's. Again, that's what we've come to expect when an expansion comes yeah. out for, for new content. And they've said that the Taken King is going to have more gear than on its release than Destiny had on its. So you know, you're, there's going to be a lot more fun new items. <laughs> but the funny one, they're talking about the new raid, the King's Fall. It's going to be their biggest raid ever. So bigger than the last two. <laughs> like, when Blizzard says something is their biggest raid ever, it means something. <laughs> It does here too, just not as much. Exactly. It's like, it, all right, I get it. You say, okay, it's bigger than the last two. But like the using the actual phrasing, biggest raid ever, I just found very humorous. Yeah. All right. Anything else for Destiny you want to touch on? No, because if I get into too much more detail, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. You're not, you're not definitely sold on it? It's one of those things where I want to play it. But the reason I played so much of Destiny last year is because there was literally nothing else to play. Right. There's a lot more games out this yeah, year than there were last year. I still like playing it. That being said, oh, I yeah, haven't bounced absolutely. it in a while. But uh, and I and I do like what I've seen for the Taken King as well. But after this Gamescom and seeing the wealth of shooters coming up, it's like, mm-hmm. where do I want to spend my time? And I'm not so sure it's the Taken King. Yeah, I I, I agree. Okay, let's touch on some of the other ones. Um, very briefly, the, we did get some more on Rainbow Six, although not too, too much. I'm actually starting to kind of lose interest in that game. I don't know about you. It, it, no, I've never been you a never, fan okay, of Rainbow Six okay. games. Battle, I respect them. I just don't like playing them. <laughs> Battleborn was really well received at Gamescom, like really well received and with just reason. Like this game is insanely cool. People have to remember that like this is Gearbox. They know how to make shooters. They mm-hmm. also know how to make fun, quirky shooters, as we've seen with Borderlands. And we love Borderlands. So that same kind of quirky humor in this type of Team Fortress 2 clone, I'm all for that. And then as I watched more about it, seeing more in terms of just how many heroes you'll have to choose from, the maps, everything else, plus a fairly robust single-player campaign, mm-hmm. like it really, it, like, I mean, Blizzard's, Overwatch is very popular with just reason. It it, right. it does look very, very cool, and it is Blizzard, and that carries a lot of weight. But if you were to look at, in my opinion, 
Overwatch and Battleborn, play them both without realizing who made either of them. I kind of have a feeling most people would probably enjoy Battleborn more than Overwatch. Well, I think it's going to come down to functionally they're two very different games. Overwatch is more of, you know, the Team Fortress deathmatch style game with, you know, some objective-based stuff, whereas Battleborn is in your your MOBA trend of, you know, League of Legends, Smite, you know, Dota with, uh, you know, the, the minions and capturing the bases. So I think functionally they're going to have very different approaches what? to their gameplay. Overwatch isn't a MOBA. It's got... No, Battleborn is the MOBA. Well, not really. Battleborn is more of a Team Fortress 2 clone as well. From it's what I've same... seen, from what I've seen, aside from the fact that it's a first-person shooter instead of an isometric view, the actual objective-based game. Yeah, there is. Uh, yeah, yeah, they did say too. There's mobile elements kind of to it, yeah. but it still does look and feel very much like a Team Fortress Two clone. Well, like I, I mean, I, that's a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's first-person as opposed to a different viewpoint. But I'm saying the the way that yeah the gameplay might look very similar, but what that gameplay means to the overall game is going to be handled very differently, I think. Yeah. I think I think at the end of the day, they're going to come out to be two very unique franchises. Well, we'll see. What the hell happened since E3? I remember when Microsoft showed off Battleborn at E3, everybody went, well, that game looks like it's going to suck. And then they show it off a couple months later, and it's like the most amazing thing we've oh, ever yeah. seen. Yeah, it looks phenomenal. What the hell happened? <laughs> I don't know. I... I... It looks really, really good. And the more I see of it, the more I'm more interested in it than in Overwatch. So that, that again, says a lot. Because I love those Team Fortress 2 clones. Oh, God. Like, my son and I have pumped many hours <laughs> into Team Fortress 2. <laughs> Not lately. Although he went on to play even for years after me. So we like those type of games. So this has got me, again, Battleborn has got me fairly excited. Uh, let's touch on some Halo. I'll let you tackle that. Yeah, we got some more stuff out of Halo 5. And as again, as I've said, I, as a fan of the Halo franchise, I've kind of parted ways with it, kind of the same way I have with Assassin's Creed over the last couple of years. But we got some more of the details. And as we know, the game is going to be split between the two different protagonists, Master Chief and Locke, this other Spartan. And it, it it's kind of like how destiny was phrasing things that halo is making the same weird claims, how they're taking a very different approach to how the story is told by switching between these two major characters. And I was like, did the makers of halo five not play halo two? <laughs> Cause that's exactly what the game was. You switch between chief and the arbiter, the alternating missions. But one thing that I actually do really like about what I'm seeing with halo five is you're not just chief and you're not just Locke they each have a team of Spartans with them, which takes me back to Halo Reach, which was one of my favorite games in the franchise because it was so much fun rolling into battle against the Covenant with a squad of Spartans because up to that point, you'd been the only one. You just had these disposable soldiers, which were literally worthless. But having that squad with you brought so much more like impact to the gameplay because even if they were still kind of NPCs and not super effective, they weren't dying within the first minute of combat. And you were making a connection with them as characters from both their gameplay standpoint and all that. So I'm actually kind of interested in seeing how they're going to go back to that because I said I really like the way Halo Reach played it. And it's also going to make things a lot more smoother for uh, co-op gameplay because 
co-op campaign is my favorite game mode in the Halo franchise. So it's one of those things where I still not sold on a lot of it, you know, the story and any number of other things, but there's just enough of an interest there for me where I haven't completely written it off the same way I did a couple months ago. What about um, Halo Wars 2? I never played the first Halo Wars, okay. so I could tell you. Okay. All right. All right, let's move on. Very briefly, we also got some racing news, like I said. So there was both, we got a bunch on Forza 6 as well as Need for Speed. So uh, the obvious Forza 6, there's no story things, but it's so goddamn cool. <laughs> it's so goddamn cool. <laughs> now, you probably didn't watch the interview with the dad for this, right? Not you my don't game. care. Yeah. It was so freaking cool just to hear this guy talking, though, about going about all of the research for the cars because they are so like authentically reproduced in the game and how they would kind of fall into situations where they would go over to a collector's house that they'd found out had this rare car and then would start going over it and kind of do you mind if we've kind of take this out so we can do some measurements and keep doing it? And his thing was, <laughs> you just keep going until you've been told, okay, you've gone too far <laughs> to keep taking it apart until they say that. And, but what he was saying is that like, you'd get there and then you look to the side and there's like several other cars there that are just as interesting, just as cool. And it's like, we want to look at those too. And that's how they kind of fell into finding all of these, these awesome cars. It was, it was really cool. And then the fact that they're putting in like real rain, in the game for racing and they, they talk, they worked with a racer to get the complete, that feel of the puddles, the rain, everything. It's really bloody cool. Need for speed is getting the complete reboot. So this one actually has stories so we can talk about it. They're doing the complete reboot. They're really trying to go more with an underground racing feel kind of thing. Mm -hmm. There's more people that you're, you're dealing with. There's a couple guys, a couple girls, and you're, you're kind of trying to boost your, um, you're trying to impress this entourage is what they're saying. And it really, it looks amazing. And that's what they were saying. It's kind of like they're, they're doing that merge of movie game kind of thing that we're seeing in other games right now. They're really pushing for those cinematic moments inside of the game as well. So I'm all for this reboot myself because where it was headed, I had, I, there was no investment whatsoever at all. And I, and I have like all of the new ones, we play them still, but there's no real kind of investment or caring how well you do or things like that. You just kind of go in and race. But this is kind of cool because it is going to mix in some RPG elements of working with a crew and things like that. Yeah, it's pretty And it's, I'm actually keeping my eyes on it because just like you, I've played a lot of the Need for Speed games. And the last one I really enjoyed was probably the first Underground. So them going back in that direction uh, along with what they're doing with the quote story. I might be into this one. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to some RPGs. Got a lot of them. Oh God. Yeah. Did you see the, uh, mafia three stuff? No, because I never played the first two mafia games and I didn't realize that apparently they have a really big following because everybody was freaking out about mafia three. Dude, this looked awesome. And I didn't play the first two either. I don't care about that. I'm going to play this one, though. This takes place in New Orleans, the Italian mob, late 60s kind of thing. And you got all kinds of events going on at that time. There's a ton of racial tension. There's Vietnam. You're playing this guy that was in Vietnam. And he's kind of, he's good at bringing people together. So he's working with the various factions in the city as well kind of thing. 
And it was awesome. Like, it was really, really cool that the shooter aspects were, like, when you're going around and, and doing your missions and sometimes you get in fights and whatnot, looked solid. The The racing around in your car was funny because they were saying you could actually interrogate people by driving like a madman and scaring them. <laughs> you don't have to just beat the information out of them. Like, I would imagine you could probably shove them in a trunk and drive like a madman. <laughs> So, yeah, like everything I saw about Mafia 3 was really, really impressive. And then we got a little bit more on Just Cause 3 as well, which shows that he's actually going back to where he grew up and so and taking down the dictator there. So you're going to come across a lot of interactions with NPCs that are people who know you from your past. And so they'll treat you in that way because they still, you know, in some cases we'll see the kid that you are or whatever kind of thing. So it's going to be interesting. The questing is going to be interesting because of that. That's definitely a, another game. I'm keeping my eyes on. Like, I'm not going to play it when it first comes out. Yeah. But if there's a good deal on it, I will absolutely pick definitely, that up. Yeah, definitely. What did you th- think about the Assassin's Creed syndicate stuff? Again, I'm kind of cold on the franchise altogether, but they showed off a lot more of the Eevee gameplay, yeah, exactly. the sister character. And, She's very much focused on stealth and deception, and they showed off a lot of you know the different paths she can take to accomplish her goals, and a lot of it is stuff that's been missing from Assassin's Creed for the last few years now because it's more been about, oh, crazy parkour and like big battles and, you know, look how badass you are. You can kill everybody with one sword. But Evie really brings the series back to what it, in my opinion, should have always been of no it's more about deception and sneaking your way in and not just like through stealth but through subterfuge and working with people on the inside to get to your mark make the kill and get back out like i remember going back to the first assassin's creed how much i loved that of setting up the actual assassinations it wasn't you know the fighting itself it was getting in getting out that's what i really liked about those early games so seeing that they're bringing it back to that again i had initially written it off because i've kind of parted ways with assassin's creed the same way i did with halo but they're showing just enough from the gameplay that i'm now interested again yeah yeah it did look good they they've also worked really hard to recreate London from that time. And the fact that there's a present day component, mm-hmm. which they haven't really discussed, but they said, yeah, it's in there. It's, it's been that. in every game. So, well, not to the degree that people would want. And by the sound of it, even the devs would want. It depends on who you talk to. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> some people can't stand that part of the games. Okay, let's talk about a game that we're both excited about and probably could talk about for a great long while. And that is Quantum Break. Go ahead. Yeah, we talked about last week from that gameplay demo, and I think we said all we need to based on that. What I found really interesting is we got a lot more information on how the game and the TV show are actually going to interact with each other. They said that there are four episodes to the TV show, each one clocking in around 22 minutes. So you put all of them together and you basically have Quantum Break the movie. And how it's split up is the game is telling you the story from the hero's perspective, Whereas the show is telling you that same story from the villain's perspective. So you're really going to get a lot. Say so if you want to skip all the cutscenes or and not watch the show, and you can still get a story, but you're going to be missing out on probably more than half of it. Because when you think you, you have the two sides and then you have all the stuff in between of how they connect, 
because they said they really want to drive people to stop playing the game and go watch the show. <laughs> they said that there's uh, these little portions of the game that they call butterfly effects, which are certain triggers, which will lead to cascading decisions, which the game will then notify you, like, okay, you've made a significant change to the timeline that has now changed the show. It, it's basically a way of saying, hey, go see the other side of the story for a little bit and then come back. But on the converse, when you watch the show, there are so many clues and background items and, as I said, props in the show that when you see them in the game world wouldn't mean anything unless you've seen the episodes. But now you've seen the episodes, you're like, wait a minute. You know, that's whatever coat rack or whatever I'm just using as an example. You know, that's the one that he used to beat the guy over the head with. And now that suddenly... An inconsequential item in the game has great importance because you know it from the TV show. So the way that they're really intermingling the storytelling, I think it's pretty brilliant. It is. I agree. I am really looking forward to playing this. Again, this and Tomb Raider for me are kind of the two that are a console seller. And this more so as I'm hearing more and more about it. Like it's just... What what drew me in as well is one of the interviews with both the uh, the actor and I can't remember if it's the director or anyways one of the devs, and he was saying how you know they're they're essentially mapping out the history so that they can create this really vast lore to use. They they would like to they're planning for a second season. They would like to do a second season in, and I think that's awesome. Like this is the type of interactive entertainment that replaces TV. You know, mm-hmm. and I, God, this is, this is awesome. If well done, if well done, this is something that, you know, you can sit around with your family and play through the stuff and then watch some stuff, play through some more. God, it's so freaking exciting. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's what we've been waiting for, for how many years now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on though. Cause we've got so many other cool things. Did you watch the shyness? Trailer? Yeah, how have I not heard of this game before now? Freaking cool as shit! I am. So- I, mean, I get that this was kind of their their coming out party of you know the actual trailer, but apparently this game had a successful Kickstarter last year, and I'd never heard of it. Yeah, this looks freaking awesome. We're not going to touch on it too much, just to say like I love the style, the design. Oh, it's Look, it gorgeous. Looks to have an interesting, quirky kind of story. So, yeah, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. The other one that surprised me as well too was Mad Max. Actually, go ahead. Really. Well, surprised because what I'd seen to date was eh, not as impressive. I just thought, uh, it's just going to be a movie franchise game. That's all it's going to be kind of thing. And then they showed more and then it was like, ooh, maybe not. Maybe this is where we can get more of the lore that we want from that we didn't get in the the, the movie. It'll be in here. So if mm-hmm. that's the case, that's awesome. The only thing that concerns me is the fact that they worked on it while the movie was going on. So they kind of work together to a certain degree, but it still is. Well, as they've said, it's not a tie into the movie. It's yeah. just a tie into the mad the Max franchise. world. Yeah. You yeah. Know, they, they, they can take place alongside each other without necessarily having to be related. Well, because the thing, that's the, how Max works. Well, yeah, but yes and no, the thing is, is that you want it to be related mm-hmm. to the stuff that's going on now, because this is what's popular now. And for good reason, and what they're trying to do with it is, is, is good so we need more of that and for a while while i was watching and i will let you go on on what we saw but for a while while we're, while we're watching it i'm thinking ah oh, great 
you know, it's just another dick fest and this is not what we wanted. And then there was a couple of female characters and then you find out later on that, you know, he'd be working for one of them and I just think, okay, maybe there will be some strong female leads in there that, that he can work with. But initially it was like, ah, oh, this is not going to be something that I really care all that much about. It kind of won me over as it progressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, like the tail end of the demo I saw is really where things were like, okay, this, this is going to be more than just driving around the wasteland yeah. and beating on random bandits because as I said, there, there's, numerous strongholds spread throughout the wasteland and each one of them has leaders each one of them has their own goals that max can choose to align himself with if he wants like there's there's a diplomatic aspect to a mad max game which i think is cool because honestly out in the wasteland everybody is just fighting for survival against scrotus and his band of raiders so it's just a matter of who Max chooses to ally himself with, who he chooses to work with, who he chooses to work for, who he chooses to work against. And we saw the uh, the one stronghold with, uh, what was her name? Pink Eye. <laughs> awesome wheelchair. Like, yeah. absolutely a Mad Max character. And like, okay, there's there's definitely going to be some more depth to this beyond what we had initially seen. Yeah. I do like, too, that, like, they're they're saying they want to reward you for exploring more Mm -hmm. so you want to go off and look for things i mean you're going to find various clues that are going to help you as well kind of thing so there was a lot of things that i really i liked about it i like this chum bucket character thing yeah that that was like the highlight of it for me because we've seen this dude hanging out the back of the car for a year now but now okay chum bucket and we when we actually get him like the dialogue and his interchanges with max I love him. He might be the best character in the game. So, and I like that they're kind of having fun with it too. The idea of the Trojan horse vehicle to go in kind of thing. And, and they were saying like, there's over 50 Mad Max vehicles that are going to be in there as well. So like, there's a lot of things that are really justifiably cool. The little questing kind of thing too, to do things done in an interesting way, because it's, again, you have to use the vehicle to a certain degree because that's the whole concept. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of little things here and there that I thought were interesting. I don't know, again, it'll depend on how good the story is for the different things that you're doing. And because it's so open in terms of who, which which strongholds you choose to invest in your time in. And they were saying too, if you do choose to invest your time, you can get some good rewards from the stronghold and allies and things like that. Or you could just decide to go off on your own or hell, you can ally yourself with Scrotus. So it was kind of, it was kind of cool. There was a lot of things that I liked. It's it's nowhere near the top of my list, but it is something that, again, like you said, good sale, definitely will buy it. Yeah. It, like when we first heard about the game, I was like, oh, I, I have to buy it. And then like we basically saw the same gameplay demo at four different shows. And I was like, okay, like is there anything more to this game? And Gamescom finally was the one that showed us, yes, there is more to this game. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's move on to Final Fantasy Fifteen. <sighs> I didn't even watch this, so I have no clue what you're going to talk about. This game is a fucking disaster. (laughs) They showed off their new trailer, which was four minutes of absolutely nothing. (laughs) Some voiceovers and some text on the screen that like, and this thing, like it showed off all this stuff that makes no sense whatsoever out of context. And, And we know like the main hook of the game is that you're playing this exiled prince. Okay. The last half of the trailer, so about two minutes worth of screen time, is the main character as a kid hugging his father. I did see that. 
I did see that trailer. That that's was, right. That's right. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. like it might have been pretty powerful in context, but when this is your big trailer for a Final Fantasy game and people are expecting, you know, something to happen. <laughs> but it doesn't make sense, too. Like he's hugging the kid and then at one point the kid's pushing his face away. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're too close. Get away from me. <laughs> What are you, a cat? <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious because I know so many people that were like that I follow on Twitter were super hyped. Like they stayed up or yeah, I think it's because they get premiered like a night or something because time zones. And they were like, OK, that was cool. Where's the trailer? It was it met with such a thud. It was hilarious. And then the more we're finding out about this game, I mean, this game has been through several different stages of development for God damn near a decade now. Like, okay, the game is about 60 to 70% done. What? <laughs> you, you should see it before the end of next year. <laughs> it's taking so long to work on it because we're doing the localization and the debugging and the programming all at once. Your programmers are doing the translation. <laughs> like, I don't understand what the division of labor is going on over there. And like, they're, they're essentially blaming the delay in the game on the Western audience because they don't want to release the game first in Japan and later elsewhere. They want to make it a global release. Like, well, whatever you're. <laughs> and one of the cool things that they were like, oh, we've actually partnered with the guys from Just Cause. Yeah. Because we want the gameplay with the airships to be really dynamic and really seamless the way it is in Just Cause. But because of that, the airships probably aren't going to be in the game when it first launches. It'll be a downloadable content later. Yay. This game is a fucking mess. (laughs) Oh, my God. How? I I, I don't know. I I don't know. Doesn't matter to me. I'm not picking it up, so... It would have to be some spectacular for me to say, yeah, I can't wait to play this. And that's at, just at this I'm point, I'm enjoying the train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to Rise of the Tomb Raider. I, I, I've probably asked you this before, but I can't remember. You played the first one, right? Yes. Okay. And you obviously loved it. I liked it, yes. You liked it, but not loved. I think it was missing a couple things for me, but I, okay. it was a great game. Just I actually, for, for me personally, I. It was good instead of great. See, I'm more excited for this than I am for Uncharted 4. I, this is... <laughs> so am I, but that doesn't say yeah. much. I, this looks so fantastic. We're finding out more again. This is, she's now a little bit more confident kind of thing. And she's gathering clues for, for different mm-hmm. locales in the world. Primarily going to be Syria and Siberia, they said. And she's got these voice recordings from her father that's going to lead her to different places and whatnot. And they said that... They they haven't shown a lot of the tombs yet because they want you to experience those. Mm-hmm. But they did show some, and what they did show it was like, holy crap, <laughs> <laughs> that looks amazing. Yeah, all that I'm legitimately excited for. Yeah. The one thing too, and they addressed this during the uh, the interview with one of the devs, and it is very true of the game that I found too. The the Tomb Raider world feels very big. Like when you are in a map, you've zoned in somewhere and you're doing something kind of thing and you need to get to objectives A that is way over there kind of thing. It really is way over there. (laughs) You're going to be running and shooting guys for a very long time to get to it. And here they were showing she had to get to some clues in a cathedral kind of thing. And they said, you know, it's way over there. You can see it. It's going to take a while to get to it. And, And I like that. I like that sense of 
of space that you're not confined to this. You know, one of the things that I hated about Star Trek Online and that we talked about when it came out was when you'd land on a place, it was so linear and it was so small. It felt like a, you know, a bowling alley lane kind of. You you have to go down here and turn here and do this and it's very, very small. And Tomb Raider is just so goddamn big when you're in there. And even if you try to beeline where you need to, you're still going to be parkouring off of buildings and killing guys and everything. So, and with this, they were saying too, they're, they're, they're offering a lot more options in terms of not just killing people, but also you can get through the entire game using nothing but stealth and not having to kill anybody. I really, really like that. That was cool. Yeah. So again, there's a lot of things here that, that really are justifiably very, very cool that I'm looking forward to. You can even learn foreign languages so that you can understand everybody. I was like, really? That's awesome. <laughs> and they're keeping in the visceral deaths because that's iconic to this series now. <laughs> so spears through the face. Yes, that will oh. be coming back. All right, let's move on. Deus Ex Mankind Divided. You excited for that? Because from what I saw, it looked pretty goddamn cool too. That's one of those games where I've just filed away. I know I'm going to buy it. I know I'm going to play it. I know I'm going to play it again. So I'm really not looking at it anymore. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's taken place a couple of years after Human Re- I know Revolution. everything I need to, need to know, know about it. <laughs> well, I'm going to say a couple of things. No, no, uh, it's okay. A couple of years after Human Revolution and you're getting much more of a divide now between those who have augments and those who don't. Mm-hmm. And the government is even passing laws against augmentation and whatnot. And there's the segregation. And like, I mean, that's one of the things that we saw, uh, like in Blomkamp movies kind of mm-hmm. thing. And so if done properly, it can be really, really cool. And same as the Deus Ex. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of different choices that you can make and consequences to those actions and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, this justifiably looks pretty goddamn cool. Very, very cool. This year is going to be brutal. Oh, dude. And then Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Tell me you watch this. I didn't like the first Mirror's Edge. So. You don't have to. That's the thing. This is a reboot. <laughs> so It doesn't matter, though. Man. No, it doesn't. And and I'm not going to lie. The first Mirror's Edge, I stopped after a while, just not because I wasn't enjoying it. I just wasn't good at it. My son played a lot more of it. He was better at it. But this is a complete reboot. So what they've done is they've taken the elements that worked from the first one and basically have created this game now it was almost like the first one was just a warm-up a preamble proof of concept to catalyst and this has got a fantastic story so we're getting the main character faith her origin story and whatnot so you're getting like a ton of story the way that they designed the city i mean there's no loading screens it's all you can pop into whatever building or whatever you're not going to encounter any loading screens and the fighting is way different now too. Like you, you actually can't shoot a gun and they did that on purpose because in the Mm -hmm. first one you could, but this one you can't so that the game stays very, very fluid. So you actually fight while you are like parkouring off of walls and coming down with an insane punch to knock them out or things like that. So they wanted to keep that constant momentum so that the flow doesn't get broken. And so that the fighting, they actually consider the fighting as a subset of the movement which that speaks volumes right there. So like, again, there was a lot of cool story elements just in that one trailer. Like I would tell people, go watch that trailer. It was really bloody cool. And 
the graphics, again, the style of that game is insane because you get the, the contrasting white and red kind of thing and, and the futuristic city. And it looks spectacular. And like, there's a scene where she is busting through glass and all of the shards of glass have got reflections of her kind of thing. It was like, oh my, I had to pause just to look at that screen. So yeah, this is a complete reboot that's going to have a ton of story in it, not just go run around kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So very, very cool. Then there was Scalebound. Can, can we just, I, I think I speak for both of us. This was the best game of the show, right? I don't know that I'd say that. Okay. Not for me. It was <laughs> okay. goddamn awesome, but I... Because you've been losing your damn mind over this oh, game. Oh, I did. Now. I did. Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm, that's not me saying that I don't like it or whatever or not impressed. No, I am. It's just some of these other games have got me hook, line, and sinker. This, too. I will be playing it, but but others more. I, more than anything else, this is probably the game that's selling me an Xbox. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, it, 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 it looks spectacular. And this relationship, friendship that he has with the dragon oh. kind of thing that's almost akin to... A younger brother almost kind of thing. Well, here's what I'm looking at. And I'm like, okay, this is a big game that Microsoft went out of and they want it to be exclusive. So they're looking and they're like, okay, what does Nintendo have right now? The Monster Hunter games, because there's definitely an element of that here. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. what does Sony have right now? The Last Guardian. <laughs> Take both of those and smash them together. And in some ways you get scale bound. And if he has a dragon arm. <laughs> I didn't know that from before. And then I, I was watching it go, his arm is like a dragon scale. Oh my God. Yeah. It was, there's so much to love about what we're seeing here. And especially uh, that interview I read where they're talking to Hideki Kamiya and how, since, you know, he got it, he went, when he got his first PC and saw what games could be beyond Nintendo, like, this is the game he's wanted to make since he was a kid. He always wanted to do a game with these giant beasts but whenever you look at one of those games, the dragon is always the bad guy. It's your big, your big targets to go kill. And he's like, no, 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 I don't want to kill the dragon. The dragons are beautiful. Dragons are majestic. So that's why Thuban is your companion in this game. I love it. Yeah, so do I. So do I. I am very excited to play it. it and it looks so good. And that combat looks insane. That said, you watch the trailer. <laughs> And he's talking to the dragon, and there's a whole bunch of people that he's going to have to fight. And it's like, oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. And it's like two hits. They're all dead. I'm going, what the hell was that? Come on, buddy. I think the writers need a little lesson there on trying to ramp up the excitement. Well, that's the thing. We look at this, and as amazing as this game looks, as gorgeous as it is, as smooth as the gameplay is, as... Like in this small little gameplay demo, they absolutely nailed home the connection between Drew and yeah. Fu Ben. Yeah, yeah, I agree. This game is still an early alpha. <laughs> yeah. For a game that early in development to be this impressive, I, it's it it was the game of the show for me. I'll oh, say yeah. it. Okay, good. Okay, uh, let's move on to We Happy Few. <laughs> Did you watch the this, new trailer? The new stuff. This game, man. Oh God! I can't wait to play this. I this cannot. is the creepiest, weirdest Creep- shit, I've, shit ever I've ever seen. seen. Yep. <laughs> I also love the fonts and the colors and everything in it. And the voice acting is amazing. It's just so wrong in no. the most right way. Yeah, so right. <laughs> I can't wait to play this game. Seriously. Okay, not going to touch on that too too long because we are running long 
and we mm-hmm. have still so much to go. Thimbleweed Park has actually got me interested. And I'm not huge on those 8, 16-bit games kind of thing. I, whatever, I'll play them if they're good and all that. But it's not my first go-to is if it's 8, eight or 16-bit, it's like, wow, I can't wait to play. But the story behind this, this crime detective story kind of thing, it's like, wow, I kind of really want to play this. It looks like fun. I don't know if you saw that one. Yeah. Okay. It- it, could it looked be, like it, fun. It actually should be really interesting given yeah. the, the talent behind it. Yeah. Did you watch the Technomancer trailer? Another game. Where the hell did this come exactly. from? Exactly. So you're looking at settlement on Mars, but it's been there for a couple of hundred years. So because of that, the people have evolved in different ways and things like that. And there's been time for that to happen. So because of that, you're kind of... There's there's different elements of magic and whatever kind of thing that are there. It looked bloody cool. What's funny is that, have you heard just recently, they've been talking a lot more about it, about this, I think it's Kepler planet, the one that resembles Earth the most. Mm-hmm. Have you been reading up on that? A little bit, yeah. Okay. I actually, this, this, I love this shit. And I actually was reading up on this today because I found something today that gave a lot more details on it. And one of the things that it said was that they were talking to some of the scientists who had discovered it and knew all of the different properties and different things about it. One of the things that they figure is that the the gravity is likely to be twice as dense as what we have actually. And they said like, they actually said in a generation, we might be making our way towards this planet kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And this is a scientist talking. And he was saying, the thing that's interesting is because of that additional gravity over time and over generations of people living there, they may become stockier and their right. physiology change to adapt to it, which is obviously how evolution works. So then as I'm watching this video and they're talking about the 200 years and how that has changed the physiology of the people that are there, I thought that was really, really cool actually. Yeah, again, for a game I'd never heard of, I was pretty much instantly sold. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to some ARPGs. That Pillars of Eternity White Marsh Part 1 mm-hmm. looks bloody cool. Now, oh, if yeah. memory recalls, we talked about this last week, right? I think we did. Uh, we, we touched on it briefly, yes. Okay, yeah. Did you have anything else to add? I think we can probably skip No, because I still haven't one. played the Pillars of Eternity base yeah. game. It looks <laughs> freaking I need awesome. to free up 60 or 70 hours. Yeah. Well, let's touch on Sword Coast Legends because this we got quite a bit more news and again this is one of those did you watch the uh the video that showed the the uh the gameplay that had the dm setting things up well see again for me since i've been following the game so closely it was very little that i hadn't already seen oh, okay. so okay. May, maybe for you it was a little more impactful but like the the big news we got out of it was that they've uh actually delayed the game from september 8th to september 29th, 29th yeah. uh, they need a couple extra weeks to work on it but as like a as a makeup to the fans, if you pre-order it, you're going to get the first DLC pack for free, The Rage of Demons. Have you pre-ordered it yet? No, I need to pre-order it. You know how I feel about pre-orders, but yeah. now that they're ha- now that they're dangling a free DLC pack in front of me, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I again, I haven't been reading everything as it's been coming out. So for me, there was a lot more that I found out. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's going to be like forty to sixty hours of single player content. That's awesome. The fact that you will be able to download dungeons that other DMs create, mm-hmm. that's bloody awesome. I thought it was kind of be restricted to your party, but no, you can just download what other people do, which means that it can go on forever. Oh, yeah. So the, the, the actual story of the game is going to be such a small percentage of 
the actual content. It's ludicrous. Yeah. So there was a lot that I, again, that I had not um, heard. And everything that I heard here just sold me on it more and more. I mean, Jesus Christ, when they're setting up a camp, putting a dead body, putting a trap on it, <laughs> naming him the rocks that they turn into horsemen or different things like that. Like there was a lot of things that I'm going for a DM that really likes to micromanage their encounter mm-hmm. and really set it all up, which there's a lot of people like that and they'll be putting their stuff out for you to download. This has got the potential to have like an exponential amount of hours for you to play in it. So for the investment of the game, this really is going to be quite cool. Just imagine the grinder I can put Sir Reginald through with this game. <laughs> you wouldn't. Uh, there was a little bit more Warhammer 40k news that came out as well. I'm not really, I really, I've played a little of a couple of the games. I really mm-hmm. haven't done much. So I'm not, I don't know if you're interested in that. Well, yeah, at least this is the first time I'd seen it. The new game coming out, Warhammer 40K Inquisitor Martyr. Feels like there's one too many words in that title. (laughs) But uh, it's the first big game we've seen from 40K since the Space Marine game a few years ago, which I loved. Which was good. And the thing I love about the 40K, like I'm not into the tabletop stuff, but it's just such a cool world that's been set up. Like it's perfect for video games. And all we've gotten over the last few years is some crappy you know cell phone games so it's cool to see like an actual real game uh it's from neocore games the developers of the incredible adventures of van helsing which i found quite fun uh it's a typical isometric to diablo style action rpg and as i say there's two completely different game modes here there's the story mode which is single player only or there's the open world sandbox campaign which they said both are fully unlocked from the beginning you can choose to play whichever one you want, whenever you want. But they're saying the open world is going to have an ongoing storyline with special events that are going to take place. And based on the player's action in those special events, it's going to drive how things go forward. But it's not, you know, you're not in Sanctuary. It's not you're going to Chaldeum, you're going to Tristram. No, no, you're going from planet to planet. Some of these things are going to take place on spaceships. It's a massive universe-spanning game that uh, it's actually pretty exciting to me. And uh, in the interest of time, there's also some really cool gameplay stuff they're doing with uh, cover systems and being able to target specific body parts on enemies for extra effects in combat. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Lego Dimensions. That, actually, we got some more information on as well, too. They're I refuse. Be, you refuse? Just because it's going to be too goddamn expensive. Yes. <laughs> it is. They're they're going to have not just your full story campaign, but also they're they're doing these adventure worlds, they said. And basically, if you own a character from that world, as an example, if you own Batman, you can get to the DC adventure world and so forth and so forth. So there's going to be a lot of these adventure worlds. And as you pick up different minifigs, you'll be able to then get into them and they're huge you can do a ton of stuff in them including unlocking the gold bricks and different things like that and you can go in solo or in co-op mode like just those things look like a blast like when you're watching the wicked witch of the west (laughs) ripping around or the or marty hitting the monkeys from wizard of oz with his guitar and i was like oh my god and Scooby-Doo running around the magic the, the mystery machine there were so many things that i was like oh my god 
why does this have to be so expensive? I want to play because <laughs> like there's a lot of stuff. And when they were talking to the devs about it too, like they're working with um, Lego a lot for this and they're making sure to stay true to whatever those IPs are, but they really have a lot of choices in terms of what IPs they can get because it's Lego. And so they're approaching different ones and you're getting all of these fantastic IPs being brought into this game. They have a lot more influence than the competition right now. They are poised to really take a chunk out of the Skylanders, Amiibos and all of those, their profits. All I can say is now with Skylanders, Amiibos, Disney Infinity, and now Lego Dimensions, stores are running out of shelf space, guys. Yeah, yeah really. And parents <laughs> out of money. It's not pretty. <laughs> okay, Bloodstain, we heard about that during yeah, the big not much PS4 to really thing, on. only that it is going to be coming to uh, Xbox as well. Well, so. yeah, we knew that. But the, the big announcement here is it's actually yeah. going to be cross-play between Xbox and Windows 10. Yeah. And they announced a new character too. So yeah, there was don't know anything about him other than he looks cool and he's a demon hunter. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to some space sci-fi. There was a couple that um, that I wanted to touch on. There's Star Wars Battlefront. We got some more news, and this now they showed the flying combat. Oh my god, which had me sold. <laughs> like initially, I was thinking, especially because they were saying it was all going to be low. Not, not in space. Mm-hmm. This is high enough space-wise that you really get that feel of being in I, I think they might have just been trolling us at some point. Yeah, I don't know how high you can <laughs> they, go. They, they, were, they were just trying to hide this little announcement. Because <laughs> crap in hell did that ever look awesome. Awesome. Yeah, this is a fully formed space combat simulator at this point, in addition to what we've already seen. In addition to the first-person shooter on the ground kind of thing. Yeah. Like, there was just... It was just awesome. When you are seeing the the hero, they're calling them hero moments, aren't they? I think that's mm-hmm. what they're calling something like that. Yeah, yeah and you're seeing the um, like the Millennium Falcon coming out, oh, and they were saying too, like you can hear Han in your your comms unit kind of thing. And it was like they they have that for each of the iconic hero moments. You'll either hear Luke or Vader or whatever kind of thing. But the idea, same as everybody else, come on, we all have that same idea, flying around in the Millennium Falcon. And shooting people? Yeah, okay. Here's yeah. my $50. <laughs> or 60 whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll buy it. <laughs> so, I again, it was it was fairly cool, and I... What more can you say? Mm-hmm. So, did you see the video on Endless Space 2? I saw a little bit, but... It was interesting. It was. Yeah. It kind of made me feel... It reminded me kind of like an FTL game almost mm-hmm. kind of thing that exploration and micromanaging your crew. I'm not going to talk about it too long, but you may want to check it out. If, if that's your thing, you might be fairly interested in it. Yeah. Let's move on to some strategy because we got XCOM two <laughs> to talk about. And even though I really barely played any, I like seriously, barely Tristan played it. I watched him play it mm-hmm. of XCOM. This has got me really quite excited actually. Oh, I played the hell, hell of XCOM. I, <laughs> I, I loved that, the enemy unknown and enemy within. And what, one of the things I really love is that they took to heart just how hard <laughs> the first game was because you lost at the end of the first game as far how the, the storyline is progressing. So now Earth has been taken over by the aliens in XCOM 2. And really the, the gameplay demo I saw, they were 
really getting into the uh, like the base management and the actual strategic yeah. parts of it. Like previous gameplay was the actual combat, which still looks awesome and is still going to kill all of my troops every time. But they say you, your new base is called the Avenger. It's actually a derelict alien ship that they've cobbled together and are using as their own ba- mobile base of operations. And I just love the look of all of it. Like you, it looks like it was cobbled together. Like you can actually see the duct tape at some points. Like it just looks so cool. It's like um, like the Galactica. Like that thing should not have been sailing, yeah. <laughs> but it, but it was. And they were talking about how they've really made the actual management of the campaign much more dynamic. There's not going to be any more set build order to go through, which was. I don't want to say one of my least favorite things, but it really got annoying if you were as bad as the game as I was and you replayed those first couple months several times because there was really never anything new. It was always, okay, this is the day I built my satellite. This is the day I researched my armor. So it's a lot more dynamic now. You can actually assign uh, crew members to various departments that will give you different buffs and whatnot. And they use say each of these crew members, not just disposable names, they're actual characters with backstories and whatnot. They got into the customization of the troops. It's not just pick your color and your hat anymore. Now you get to design tattoos and really get attached to these guys. They're going to get murdered mercilessly, <laughs> even as far as the weapons are fully customizable with their looks and, and whatever extra abilities you can give them. And then they went to the world map and showed that you can really get in there and you can choose which missions to take, knowing that if you take this mission, that means you can't do this other thing. It's the number of possibilities that this opens up from gameplay and knowing that, again, if you're as bad as I am and you're restarting the campaign five or six times before you get it right, those five or six times are going to be unique each time. And that's really a great step for the game to make. One of the things that I really liked was that ant farm view they were talking about. It's, mm-hmm. It Obviously, it's made me think immediately of Fallout Shelter kind of thing because one of the things <laughs> that I love about Fallout Shelter is that, you know, that bouncing in and out between the rooms and seeing what everybody's doing, assigning people different places and all that. This is that, but exponentially cooler and, and HD. <laughs> and it just looked like fun like I can see myself quite honestly much like I've been doing with Hex just kind of leaving it on on the computer during the day because I work right beside my my home computer because I work at home so I'll work and I'll just turn around during a break and play for a little while I can see myself leaving that screen on just to kind of micromanage people around during the day and a little break during the day and it just looked like it would be a blast (laughs) so okay let's move on there was a couple of fighting games you're trolling me right why? You listed the fighting games and you excluded Street Fighter. I know. You're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I put a note in the show notes that said, feel free to add more if you want. So you could have added it in. So shut the fuck up. But no, you made a specific choice to exclude it. And I just I wanted to point that out. Oh, whatever. I talked about this before. Did we talk about it off air or? I think it was off air. I think so too. That Naruto Ultimate Ninja 4. And I've never played any. I've never watched Naruto even. Not that I have anything against it. I've just never watched it. And But this looked awesome. And again, me, fighting games, eh, not so much. I'll play them with my son every once in a while kind of thing. But I don't sit down to play fighting games. And I certainly don't watch the fighting game tournaments. I know you do. And luckily you found somebody <laughs> who loves that as much as you do. But <laughs> and, and Tristan does as well too, my son. But I really don't. Mm-hmm. But I watched this and I went... 
I want to play this because it has that awesome anime style. Mm-hmm. Plus, it has that extra dimension because they're going around in circles and stuff like that. The abilities that they were using were sick. The um, it, it, it just looked like a ton of fun, actually. So I... This is one of those, again, if it goes on sale, I can see myself picking this up just to play with my son occasionally just because it looks so goddamn cool. Yeah, I have no experience with the previous games in the series, but that's always kind of been the hallmark I've seen is it's not super technical. It's not, you know, there's no uh, execution barrier. It's just, you know, go in there, have some fun, fun and yeah. blow stuff up. Yeah. So, and then there was Killer Instinct as well. We got some news on. Yeah, they officially announced season three is going to be coming out early next year. And... <laughs> In a hilarious twist, they announced the first character. And people were expecting, you know, Tusk or Kim Wu, the two outstanding returning characters that haven't been included yet. Nobody was expecting the fucking Battletoad to show up. <laughs> but of course, since Killer Instinct and Battletoads are both rare franchises, and it happened to coincide with the release of the Rare Replay, uh, I don't even call it a game, Collection, uh, that just came out on Xbox One, that yes, Rash is going to be a playable character in Battletoads. And he's currently available in the game as kind of like a beta character. You can play him for another couple of weeks before they yank him back out to finish working on him. But it's hilarious to see you know this character in there. And granted, this is a game that already includes a werewolf, a cyborg, a mummy, and a velociraptor. But <laughs> he's just so weird. And the way they've replicated a lot of his iconic attacks and put them into the game is pretty fun to see. But at this point, we've now had the Battletoads and Killer Instinct. We've had them in Shovel Knight. Microsoft has to be working on a new actual Battletoads game at this point, right? This is all just viral marketing. I think you're giving them more credit they deserve. If they're not, they're They're missing an opportunity. Mob at their front door soon. All right, I'll give you like two minutes to talk about your Street Fighter game. I actually don't don't even need don't two minutes. Uh, they they just announced uh, the ninth character now is going to be Vega, one of the classic returning characters is coming in. Looks really cool. Gameplay is very dynamic on him. They've actually changed a lot of the actual mechanics of his gameplay. He used to be a charge character. You know, you had to hold back and then move forward to execute a move. And now he's a, a circular motion, so quarter circles and Shoryuken motions, which for me I think is a lot more fitting to Vegas' playstyle. He never really clicked with me as a charge character, so maybe uh, the new controls will work for him. But he looks really cool. A lot of people are really excited to see not just him, but the way he specifically plays in this iteration of the game. So you said you didn't want to talk about it, and yet you talked about it for two minutes. I said I wasn't going to need two whole minutes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. We're going to finish off with Blizzard. Blizzard had a oh, they 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 were there massive presence. <laughs> it was insane. Did you watch the video that showed them putting up their area for all of their their no. games? Holy Christ! Now I've never been to a BlizzCon, so I don't know the setup there other than what I've seen in videos. I know it's quite impressive, and I know that there's a lot there, but the work that they put into their their areas in 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 GamesCon was crazy and you could tell that they have a lot of respect for that con as well because like they announced their Mm -hmm. wow expansion there not at blizzcon but at gamescom that's huge and not just that but it was announced again gamescom is in germany this was a european announcement Mm -hmm. for a blizzard expansion for wow so that's huge now we're going to touch on this again not too too long but for a little bit joe did his feature on 
Legion. That's the expansion for WoW. That's going to be coming out on last week's episode. So if you guys are curious, if you haven't heard it yet, please go listen to it. It's actually quite good. And it's interesting, too, and it's an opposite take opinion than you'd get from, say, (laughs) myself and Vince who feel differently about WoW than, than Joe does. You, you kind of have to take me out of the conversation. Well, yeah, but uh, yeah, well, yes and no. Did you even watch it? I'm assuming yes. you did. Okay, so you have an opinion. I mean, sure. if, it, if it was good but enough. It's, but it's the opinion of somebody who hasn't played in six years. Yes, I know, but I can see you. No, it hasn't been six years. I haven't played Seriously, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, like yeah. I poked my head into Cataclysm for a couple months, but that was it. Yeah, but let's I haven't say touched it since. If something came out that was justifiably awesome, maybe, maybe you would want to go back. So, <laughs> Joe and I have been talking about this quite a bit in between all the horrible, which you want to do so that you're not just thinking about horrible. The funny thing is, is that, and and I can say I would say this even if he was here. <laughs> <laughs> Joe goes through life as it pertains to WoW with rose-colored glasses. Oh, absolutely. When it first comes out, or when it's first announced, this is amazing. And then a few months later, once he's played it for a while, you start to see the cracks there and the enthusiasm. And then as time progresses, then you start to get the real opinions. And some <laughs> of that is good. You need that because yeah. it's good to be excited about a game. I wish... I wish I could be excited enough about just one game like WoW that that's all I played. It would save me a fortune. (laughs) I would do a WoW podcast again and that would be the end of it. I wouldn't have to play any other games. Just play WoW, hang out with my friends and raid. It'd be awesome. Wouldn't have to talk to my dumbass anymore. (laughs) Well, maybe just about comics. But but yeah, it's I, I, I do like playing the other games and I'm much more critical about wow now than i was in the heyday i still when something's justifiably cool it is justifiably cool but really the i really don't have those roads colored glasses about wow anymore it's been too long i've been playing this game for far Mm -hmm. too long and and i've been saying this for a great many expansions now so when they announced legion I'm currently not even subbed right now because I was for a while and I was actually subbed with my son and we were playing together kind of thing. But even he quickly lost interest. We both have no use for the most part for Warlords of Draenor. There was some questing that was truly spectacular that I really loved a lot. But they were so few and far between. And there were so many other things that I didn't like. And I've had it with goddamn orcs all the goddamn time. I've had it. I've had it with orcs, okay? And then the garrisons, I made it clear before the game came out, uh, the expansion, how I hated the concept of garrisons. And then it came out, and for a few minutes, while you're, like, trying to get different followers and stuff, it's like, okay, that part is fun. I'm going to go and try to recruit this person. It was really interesting as an outside observer, seeing everybody really excited for, like, a week of, oh, my God, I unlocked this. Oh, my God, I got this guy. And then immediately realizing that was it. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Like, I mean, I, and I didn't even unlock everybody, but I unlocked a number of them. But then it quickly becomes a game of garrison management and follower management. Like, garrisons are just horrible. One of the worst things to come to WoW, as I've said, since the Blood Plague. This is bad. Now, Blizzard being the stubborn jackasses that they are, that they cannot let go of something until they prove that there was a nugget of good in it had to take that and turn it into class halls. They're not giving you a ton of information and it's going to be, you're still going to have kind of followers, but they're going to go out and get you missions so that you go out and do things, not your followers. And again, they didn't give a ton, but even, even the little bit that they gave, I was like, 
they 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 don't get it. They're still grasping at this straw that no no this is a good idea. Look at we made it work. And I'm thinking a few months in people are going to be having the same thoughts about that as they have about the garrison. So the story is going to be a continuation of Warlords. So that in and of itself didn't impress me. I was like, I don't want a continuation. I just want something different. I don't want goddamn orcs again. That said, being that this is the Legion and Demon Hunter expansion, it's quite likely we're going to be getting a lot of Night Elf and Blood Elf lore. That I'm excited about. That would be fun. It'd be different. Let's get... It's like Blizzard finally remembered the elves are in the game. Yeah, some other class uh, or race, I should say. So yeah, that that has me a little interested. The Demon Hunter class has me very interested. Obviously, like everybody else, it looks like a very dynamic, fun class to play. I mean, the, the I said it too. I think I said it on Twitter. Tristan, the most the thing that he was the most excited about was the Demon Hunter's double jump. That's how meh this was for us. <laughs> but uh, but it looks like fun. The only problem is is that again you you have to remember that your class is really not all that important. It's it's that's just the mechanic for how you play the game. The lore and the story and the quests those are all the things that are important. So that new character is only going to last you so long in that class. And then you're going to be like, God damn it. You mean I have to do Outlands again? Oh, no, 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 no. So, no, 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 no yeah, no, there's no, a boost, but no. I'm not going to be paying for yet more boosts so that I can, I can uh, just skip it all. So, yeah, it's, again, there's a lot of things about this that I really am not interested in. A lot of people are illidan. And I'm going, oh, God, again? My God. There there are maybe two characters I would have been less interested to see than Illidan. <laughs> yeah. The whole Legion thing for me is, again, I. it's funny because I'm reading people, and this is, this is a testament to how long the game has been out. Because, I mean, again, we're looking at 11 years now. A lot of people started playing this game while they were teenagers. Mm-hmm. And they have that very strong connection because of that, and especially because they remember that Burning Crusade expansion, the first one, so they were still teens when they were playing it, so they have that very strong attachment to the Burning Legion kind of thing. They remember from when they were teenagers playing and raiding all night long. Meanwhile, me, not so much. You know, I do have fond memories, but for me, it was because I was playing it with my son, and he was still very young at the time, and we were having a lot of fun. But I want to see something original. I want you know, I want something that's different. That was the one thing that I really liked about Pandaria. It was different. There was a lot of different stuff that you could do there, and I kind of dug that. And it was, and it was fun. It got shit on for a lot of things that it done wrong, but it also did some a number of things right. I thought. And this year, going back to shit that we've already seen, done everything, and I'm going, oh god, I I have no interest, none in the Broken Isles. I'm sure there's going to be some good quests in there. But the fact that they're still hanging on to antiquated ideas, my rational brain is is not swayed by WoW's appeal anymore that, oh, they can do no wrong. No, no, they certainly can. So as the expansion goes, like, I know at some point I'll play it again because I'm always going to go back to WoW every once in a while and play and hang out with friends and things like that because it is fun. There is a lot of good stuff in it. But I'm really not. There's no excitement at all, at all, at all. And I'm assuming you're in the same boat. For me, like, I actually kind of like some of the stuff they're doing with the classes and 
trying to give them their own unique identities beyond just the gameplay elements and the stuff with the artifact weapons. It's interesting. Like, I'm very interested in seeing how it progresses and where it goes. Is it interesting enough to get me to buy and resub? No. No. But out of everything they announced, that's what I found the most intriguing. Really? Oh, because the artifact weapons did nothing for me. All they're doing is they're limiting the weapon that you're going to mm-hmm. use to oh, no, true. one weapon. And yeah, you're going to unlock pieces of it to make it better and things like that. And then you'll have some options as to what you want it to look like kind of thing. But or, uh, Although Joe did say you can transmog it. But it's again, it's everybody's going to have that one weapon. No, that that is definitely a a certain weakness. I hate that. And it's one of those things where, and not to constantly compare Warcraft to Final Fantasy, because that's the game I like right now, but looking at how Final Fantasy has handled the classes and how each one has a very unique story and a very unique place in the overall world, I really like that. Like, I can play a different class, and it's not just a skin on my combat. It, it actually means something yeah. to the world that I'm a warrior or I'm a paladin. Yeah. So uh, maybe Warcraft moving in that direction, I, I think at least for me is a, is a good move. Mm. I don't know. I, again, there were too many things that I was not impressed with, including the big changes to the classes. Actually, the, they're making some huge, they do change. that every, that, I know. And they keep fucking that it up more than anything else is the reason I stopped playing. I got tired of relearning the game every two years. Yeah. Well, the thing that I find funny and I had this argument with Joe too, because he's like, he agrees. Like it'll be different. It'll be cool. There's some, nice changes to the classes, you know, survival hunters are going to use a spear now and things like that. And I'm going, you know what? Blizzard themselves, (laughs) when talking about class changes they've made in the past, will admit, yeah, we fucked that up, but we made it better this time. And the next expansion, yeah, we see how we fucked that up, but we made it better this time. That's what this is going to be, in my opinion. Don't worry, guys. We fucked it up a little less. (laughs) The only good thing to come out of this that I thought, ooh, this is good, is the PvP changes. They're finally doing that separation of skills for PvP versus PvE so that changing a skill because it's too powerful in PvP won't fuck up your PvE experience or vice versa. That Mm -hmm. is one of the best things they've announced. That said, we really don't have much of a, a clue other than the little bit they showed us of how that PvP skill system will be used so it's quite possible that will take a long time to settle into a steady kind of pattern that makes sense and that people can you know work with but uh, but yeah that was one of the few things that i saw that i thought oh about time they do something like that and it's definitely worth pointing out that in it with all these cool things that they've shown they do have a tendency to overpromise. Oh, you don't say. So, <laughs> how many raids were they supposed to have in Warlords, and how many do they them. have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, that that's definitely like okay, this is cool. How much is it actually going to be in the game? Yeah. Um, Overwatch we touched on, so we're not going to touch too much. They did mm-hmm. reveal a new character, which people are already slamming for stereotypes. But it's like this is a game that has Scottish dwarves and Hindu. Uh, robot monks and Japanese samurai and really you're going to say that a, a black DJ dude with dreadlocks is a bad thing I personally I don't see much of a problem with it yeah it's cliche but so are most of their other classes yeah it's so it's pretty whatever. much in line with, with everything with else established. 
eh, whatever. I, I still am excited to play it. And then did you watch the uh, Legacy of the Void stuff for StarCraft 2? No, I kind of, I still haven't played Heart of the Swarm. Yeah, so, so this is going to be the Protoss one. And, 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 but you see, here's the thing. The reason I haven't played Heart of the Swarm is I hate Zerg. I did not want to play an entire expansion as Zerg. Right. At the same time, Protoss has always been my favorite race. Oh, well, so go. I'm wondering if I can just skip Heart of the Swarm and jump straight into Legacy <laughs> of the Void. So, and that is pretty much it. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on? I think we got more than enough. Oh, yes, I do. Yeah. I was going to tack on a, a feature on this, but I'm actually going to tack it on next week simply because this is running so long. But yeah, next week I'm going to write a feature on that companion for SWOTOR, the Nico character that you get if you had subscribed in time. And I did. So I'm going to have him. And I got some more information about his backstory and whatnot. So I'm going to be writing a feature for, for next week to do. So that is going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you for joining us. You can join us. Next week, on Monday, at 7 p.m., I will be broadcasting then, but I'm going to figure out a new way of broadcasting because Twitch has been stupid, which is why we didn't broadcast tonight. I'm going to see about potentially streaming through YouTube instead, but again, nothing settled yet. I'll figure it out, and then I'll put it on site and let you guys know. You can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore, or individually, Joe, of course, is at J. Send him your good thoughts. Vince is at Sabonian, and myself is Zen Buddhist, and you can leave us your thoughts on iTunes or Stitcher, and with that, we will talk to you guys next week. She ain't no good to you, but that's all right. That's all right. That's all right, my mama. Anyway, do. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by ForTheLore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. I know you're disappointed, but...